sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Happy Friday. Welcome to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish, Joe Pizzapia with you here on SportsGrid. Great to see you out there today. Make sure you're following us on social media all the time at SportsGrid, at Craig Mish, at Joe Pizzapia 17. Great programming we have for you here as Joe and I are here every day from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. We're actually moving on Monday from noon to 2. So make sure you put it in your phone, put it on your uh, new YouTube notifications. However you watch this show, we are on Noon to 2, starting on Monday. So make sure that you adjust your schedule appropriately. we got a two-hour show to cover everything today. Lots of baseball to get to. Joe, good morning. Great to see you here on this Friday. Good morning, Craig Mish. And yes, what I would say is, uh, for those of you on the East Coast, you're just taking a nice long two-hour lunch. Take the extra hour, not the 12 to 1, go the entire time. And on the West Coast, the other side of the coin there, you just have a late breakfast with us. You know, you can turn it into a nice brunch. Maybe we'll do mimosas together. It's going to be lovely. Fantasy sports today. Maybe a nice little French toast, something like that. I mean, you can't go wrong there. Yeah. You can do everything right. The only thing I would advise, stay off Twitter. Don't tweet anything dumb. As long as you don't do that, your life is going to be great. That's pretty take, good. Yeah. Take it yeah. from me. Don't tweet dumb stuff. Right don't before tweet. you hit send, think about it. That's be good. That's for it. That's knowledge right there. That's it is knowledge from Craig. Uh, uh, and we're we're going to get to a lot of baseball news to open up the show uh, real quick, just so everybody knows. Uh, yesterday, Freddie Freeman came out and said that he would like to play opening day. I know that we have talked extensively about Freddie Freeman and just what he has been going through. And having to mention him as really the poster child, unfortunately, for a guy who may not play this season. And it just goes to show that nobody really knows what's going on with this world of the virus. Uh, Freeman yesterday said that he would like to play opening day. Of course, it would seem unrealistic, but at the very least, you could be looking at a half season maybe uh, for Freeman and not missing an entire season. So as these stories percolate, we'll give them to you. For now, let's take a look at the other headlines from Fantasy Baseball on Friday. And we start off with Nick Solak, who is the new Rangers left fielder. It was made pretty clear that Willie Calhoun is not going to be ready at the start of the season. And so Solak will get that shot. Also at third base, Isaiah Kinder-Faleva is going to be the starter. And they're going to move uh, Todd Frazier over to first. It puts Ronald Guzman's future at first base there. And even with the Rangers, I would think in jeopardy, I'd like to see him get another shot somewhere else. Jacob deGrom, even with a clean MRI, has a status up in the air for opening day, so nobody is really sure. My guess is he'll throw off a mound this weekend. If he feels good, he will start. If he doesn't, it's 10-day injured list. Gregory Polanco, we will focus a little bit later on the show. All of a sudden, after being in camp, he's not there anymore. Gone, Gregory Polanco, for the time being. And uh, James Paxton, it was announced, is going to be the Yankees' number two starter, which really shouldn't come as a surprise. Maybe it could have been Tanaka. Of course, Tanaka had the uh, concussion, which uh, sent him out for a period of time. So we start there with the show today, Joe. Pick, <laughs> pick, uh, t- pick one of these out of a hat. Well, let's pick on the Solak one, because left field is probably the best place for Solak if he's not DHing, because the glove is not great. The bat's pretty good. The bat, I think he's one of these guys, that I think, in fantasy leagues, if you draft him late— He's going to be useful. He's going to qualify at more than one spot. He's going to hit. He's going to have a little bit of pop there. Although the Willie Calhoun news was really frustrating because, you know, you go from the beginning in March there where you go, oh, no, I drafted Willie Calhoun. Now I'm not going to have Willie Calhoun to start the season to, oh, look, the season's starting later. Willie Calhoun's okay. I've got Willie Calhoun. Awesome. And now the season's about to start. And I feel like we're just in this weird time loop. I don't like it. It's not fun. And now I've lost Willie Calhoun again. It's very frustrating, especially for me, because I have both Cole and Willie Calhoun and trying to keep which Calhoun is healthy in the last week has just been maddening for me. It's no fun. I don't want to do it anymore. Uh, but look, the you, good news I, is, I mean, you just basically you with with Willie at this point, you're hoping that <laughs> over the weekend he doesn't get put on the injured list. If he does, then, you, right. know then, then, yeah, then you know you're up against it. Then you're not going to have him. Yeah. No. And, and look, I think the Rangers, the Pirates, these are two teams there where Hey, you know, they don't have a lot in terms of being able to make up from injury. You know, we start off with the Joey Gallo news a couple weeks ago, or maybe it was a couple of days ago. It's all running together for me yeah, now. 
Uh, and and then you have with a Calhoun and it's just you're just kind of frustrated there. And then, you know, you're losing Polanco with the Pirates like these are teams that don't have great depth. And even though you can add as many guys as you want to the roster nowadays and try your best to make up for it, at the end of the day, some teams are adding better talent than others. You look at the Yankees depth compared to some other teams. You look at some of the names, you're like, well, these guys can play. And you look at some of the other depth on some of these 30-man rosters, and it's not quite the same. Craig, I think you'll agree with that. And yeah. I think that's what makes this very difficult is it's almost becoming more of the disparity between the haves and have-nots as these injuries are taking place. For sure. And uh, lots of baseball to get to throughout the show. Uh, just a couple of other quick notes from the weekend. The Washington Nationals debut in Nationals Park is in somewhat of jeopardy. Apparently, uh, D.C. has some protocols that they have to be quarantined for a period of time. Anybody who comes in or out and the Nationals are considering playing their games in Virginia or in West Palm Beach. So that's a story we're going to have to keep an eye on as time goes by. I didn't see that one coming. The Blue Jays games will be in Toronto. So that is uh, certainly good news for them. Uh, in the NBA, Joe, we saw potentially the biggest story thus far of the last couple of weeks is Zion Williamson has a family emergency mm -hmm. and has to leave the bubble, which essentially puts the start of his season in jeopardy. He's going to have to be tested a whole bunch of times before he can get back in the bubble, a whole bunch of times before he can get back onto the court. And this is one of the great young players in the NBA who they were looking to focus on. In fact, they play one of the first games when this returns, uh, hopefully, if they get into the postseason or the playoffs, he'd be available for it. But there's a chance that he could end up missing some games as well. Um, the timing is obviously horrible, but it is a family issue. We can't speculate beyond that. But this is the last thing that the NBA wanted to see, because this is the player you wanted to see in that little eight-game stretch. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, look, family first, right? You know, so if it's something that was really that important, I would only assume it is that important for him to leave the scenario because I can't imagine the organization, the NBA, is too thrilled about this idea for so many reasons. But at the same time, how are you going to tell somebody, you know, if, if it is a personal issue of a giant magnitude, well, why wouldn't you let him go? And that's and that's, you know, what we have to understand here. There's life and death circumstances and then there's sports. And I know sports feels like life and death sometimes to some people. It is not, okay? It just isn't. So, you know, hopefully everything's all right with Zion and his family, and that's what's first and foremost. But you're right. It's very complicated. And I'm sure this won't be the first. I'm sure once we get into the Major League season, there's going to be lots of other of these scenarios too. Uh, birth of children, death of a, a, a parent or a grandparent or things like that that people are going to want to leave the team. And when they do, the complication yeah, of and how and when they return. No doubt. Yeah. We can't, this we is can't not a two-day paternity leave thing. Anything. You know, it's that, that what was that, that two-day family leave you do in MLB sometimes? Like, yeah, uh, three days. Three days, right. That, that ain't happening this year. <laughs> like, it's no, it's probably two weeks now. So, look, that's, uh, that's definitely up in the air. And then you talk about the biggest uh, fantasy news that hit us uh, late yesterday is the idea that fantasy football, without a doubt, and I don't know why everybody's not talking about this uh, over the weekend, because get ready, uh, the NFL has got to have its own COVID list for 2020, which is going to change fantasy in a big way and probably needs to start thinking about that right now. Uh, any player, uh, according to Pro Football Talk, that's placed on the COVID list misses three games. And so it's like a mm -hmm. mini IR uh, situation. Remember when they used to have the full IR, now they have the oh. designated IR where you can return. Right. Now you draft a guy in fantasy and he tests positive, he's away for the team for three weeks. I mean, Joe, I mean, it's, I mean, I mean, so many things are going to have to happen before the NFL season even considers starting. And the NFL, by the way, is just as messy as baseball was back a few months ago, too. We're heading down that same road here. But I'm guessing you have to either have a deeper bench for people mm -hmm. in fantasy or every league is going to have to have their own COVID spot. I think this year, I, something's got to change. Has well, to. I, I look, we've been talking here already the last two weeks of the show of approach, approach to the 2020 NFL season. And I think part of that approach is maybe saving some of that draft capital at the end of drafts instead of looking at the shiny new toy or this guy, you know, this guy could really be good. Maybe it takes somebody boring that's in a, just a good situation. Maybe it takes somebody that you think is, is going to be a productive player because you're going to need you those guys to play. You don't think that it's a mandate to have deeper rosters in fantasy this year? Don't I absolutely think it's a mandate. I also yeah, think it's a mandate to, which is something you don't really have in a lot of football leagues, is to have injured spots. A lot of fantasy leagues don't have that at all. But, and, 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 it, and it's something that, that every commissioner is really going to have to start considering. And if you have, mm -hmm. and, and look, now is not the time to figure it out. you got time. 
But before the before the draft, if you don't have that and you get on un, very unlucky, this is not just like having regular injuries. Because I have news for you, you are going to have injuries as well. <laughs> so you're going to have injuries and COVID, and you don't want uh, both of those. That is for sure. So we will keep an eye on that as well. But perhaps the biggest story of yesterday was, of course, the Washington Redskins. And here you see the tweet the Washington Post reported yesterday. And, you know, I probably shouldn't even be referring to the Washington team as Redskins anymore because they're not. Uh, but they were the Redskins at the time when owner Daniel Snyder and people involved in the, in the Washington organization are being accused of sexual harassment. Women are coming forward here. And, uh, and look, Joe, there's... A lot of people who didn't like Daniel Snyder enough for the football acumen have been going on for uh, more than a decade there in Washington, but not a story that certainly is going to go away anytime soon. And you talk about having a dark cloud over the 2020 season, not even having a name for your team, and this just supersedes everything. And uh, story, I have a feeling that by the time the weekend is over, there's going to be a lot more coming out about this. Yeah, something tells me Monday morning when we go live, there's going to be a whole lot to talk about. I'm going to let this kind of simmer over the weekend, but it's just stunning. I mean, it's absolutely stunning. The accusations, the number of people involved in this potentially is just unbelievable. Uh, yeah, they might not have a name, but they might not have an owner by the time the season starts That's either. That's true, because, too. I didn't think about uh, that. Yeah. Let me tell you something, man. I, I don't see how the NFL looks around, and especially the public image that they're trying to put out there now which is very socially conscious of all these things. This is not a one-off. This is a scandal. This is an enormous amount of people involved. And this is also a culture that you're talking about. You're not talking about this one person had an incident with one person and it's a, no, no, no. This is a whole different potential scandal here. And I think when the NFL is going to take a hard look at this, it's going to be very difficult, I think, for the rest of the ownership to look at this and not say collectively, we can't have this. We can't have you. You're out. And I mean, it's it's kind of it's amazing to think all this could go on with this one organization over basically what a two week period. But here we are, Craig. It's kind of stunning when you think about oh, it. Oh, it's it's been a nightmare. Stay on uh, Sports Grid all day long. I'm sure Scott Farrell coming up later. We'll have a lot more on this show. And if anything happens during our show, we will uh, cover that for you as well. But of course, great reporting by the Washington Post. You can check out all of their stories online. All right, coming up next, it's time for This Day in Fantasy Sports History and also our Fantasy Sports Birthdays. Joe and I will debate whether or not the Cincinnati Reds, Cleveland Indians will make the postseason in 2020. We'll have a preview of the NASCAR race coming up this weekend with Matt Sells, Gray Albright with the latest in his fantasy baseball rankings. This is Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Miss, Joe Pisapia. One more reminder, folks, starting on Monday, make sure you tune in at noon Eastern, our show is moving from 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. as we are live here on SportsGrid. But for now, we'll take a quick break, and we'll be back in just two minutes, so don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Bish, Joe Pizzapia. It's time for our Friday edition of this day in fantasy sports history. It is July the 17th, 2020. It's time to go back in time. We're going to dive into a little baseball talk, of course, and our birthdays have some baseball. But I think that, for me, our birthdays today are players that we haven't mentioned in a while or maybe haven't thought about in a while. Not some of the biggest names or Hall of Famers, but definitely worth mentioning. And so... That's what we have on tap as we get toward the weekend, Joe. Well, this first little nugget you have out here is something I didn't know that I'm uh, really anxious to hear. And I wonder how many other people out there might not know this little fun fact as well. So let's get after it. All right. So here we go. We'll start off in 1961. Of course, this is the year in baseball that Roger Maris and Mickey Mantle are fighting toward that home run record. And on July 17th, uh, the, the Yankees ended up playing in a game, and Roger Maris hit a home run, but it was rained out, and not rained out in the second inning, but actually rained out in the fifth inning, mm. which meant that it was not a complete game. And so, essentially, you are right, Joe. This is something that also piqued my interest when I was looking at it this morning because I mean, we basically hit more than 61 home runs. You know? it's, <laughs> yeah. like, it's kind of interesting. 
Well, I have a question for you. What was the rule still in place back then where five and a half innings was a complete yes. game if there was a rainout? Okay, that was that was question number one. I wasn't sure if that was a rule that had changed. And number two, yeah, it's kind of crappy. Like, like geez, especially because everyone gave him such a hard time with the whole mantle thing and the whole Ruth thing. And well, he's got to do it in 154 games and all these other things. That, you know, like it's just so much there for poor Roger Maris to deal with. You would think that everybody would just be positive, and it was just terrible that it was such a stressful thing for him to do, and yet he did it anyway. And you could see kind of when it was all done, it was more relief that it was over than celebration. And that always made me sad, like that moment when they're pushing Roger Maris out the dugout. He was like, all right, I'm out. Hey, okay, I'm tipping my cap. Great. And I know he was a humble guy, and he didn't like a lot of the attention, but unfortunately, it's New York City. You're going to get a ton of attention. I don't know, Matt. It's this is this is tough, and I know Mickey Mantle was the god of New York baseball in the '50s. I totally get that. But uh, you ever see that movie '61? Did you watch it? I, I did. thought I that thought was a really, really good, good portrayal. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Another underrated baseball film. We were talking about some of those yesterday. Like Eight Men Out doesn't get enough credit. '61. Very very solid baseball. I did. Movie. I thought that was a good movie. I think that what took me really at the end was something that you'll never see ever again because no everybody's out to make a buck and catch a home run ball. And to think that fans didn't show up for that last game that he hit 61 because the Yankees were out of it. And, uh, you know, basically Mantle was toward, you know, I mean, he still, Mantle ended up playing another eight years, I believe. But he, um, it was just a lost season and fans didn't seem to care. Can you imagine somebody chasing any kind of record and fans not coming? Like, <laughs> I mean, any opportunity to see history, people go now. But at the time, there was just this love for Babe Ruth. The whole thing was sort of bizarre. But that's where we were back in 1961 today. 1978, Reggie Jackson and Billy Martin start punching each other (laughs) in the Yankees' dugout. Eventually, Martin decides to suspend Reggie Jackson. And, uh, you know, certainly Reggie Jackson and Billy Martin had their fights. They also had their World Series championships. Mm -hmm. And uh, Reggie did last another few years uh, in New York, if I'm not mistaken. But then, of course... Uh, he decided to take his talents to uh, California and play for the California Angels. Yeah, wasn't there a stop-off in Baltimore for a quick uh, respite? That I is believe. true. That's a good point. He did yeah. have one year in Baltimore that he was miserable. and then So he was still there. Good, it actually yeah. had a good year in Baltimore. He too. did. I want to say uh, he was still with them in 81, uh, the strike year. I know Reggie was still around then. I think it was right after that. I think it was 82 he ended up in Baltimore after that. Yeah, actually, serves. I was right in the first place. I take it back. Uh, it was Baltimore first, and then he went to the Yankees. That oh, was it was Baltimore it. first, then the Yankees. Oh. Yeah, what happened was Charlie Finley, he was mad at Charlie Finley for sending him to Baltimore. Oh, that's and what it was. And then the California. Okay, I know there was a Baltimore somewhere in that. It was before. I didn't I even have to lean over and Google. It just hit me in there. It just hit me. Well, I'm, I'm glad you figured that out. That's why, look. The mind of Craig Mish is a wonderful playground that we always like to, uh, you know, get on the jungle gym and see what happens. But this one, this is the one in Fenway Park, right? The famous one where he got pulled out of the game and, yes. and then they got yes. into it, right? Well, that, that's a great it. moment. And the best, my favorite moment of that whole exchange is in the outfield between, I believe, Roy White, I want to say. I could be wrong. Yet again, I, I was born in 1978, but I, I like to think of myself as a little bit of a baseball historian, even though I got that uh, – Baltimore Oral year wrong. But dude, how's about that little exchange? Like, you're taking me out of the game? And Roy White goes like this. I don't know, man. Yeah, Go talk I know. to him. I, I do remember seeing that, that was the best part. He's like, he throws his glove up. He's like, dude, <laughs> don't look at me, man. Go talk to Billy. I'm just the messenger here. <laughs> that is my favorite moment of all of that. Yeah, that was good. All right. Uh moving on to the Orioles a few years later. Uh Sam Horn, who had a nice beginning of his career with the Boston Red Sox. A lot of people thought Sam Horn was gonna be a superstar. He ended up being okay. Uh, Toward the end of his career, he goes to Baltimore and strikes out six straight times in one game, which is actually the MLB record for one game, striking out six times. Not the way that Sam Horn wanted to be remembered on the show today, but unfortunately that's the way that it goes down on this fantasy sports today. Yeah, Sam Horn was part of that whole group. uh, I feel it was Ellis Burks and Mike Greenwell and Sam Horn, and all these guys were kind of supposed to carry them from the 80s into the 90s. And Todd Benzinger, Benzinger I want to say, was was in that group as well, right? And it's funny, like, Greenwell had a nice career. Ellis Burks, I feel like the best version of Ellis Burks maybe was the Colorado version. I think we'd agree on that probably. Yeah. But none of they them all played really... played at Pawtucket together. Yeah, and none of them really kind of, I don't know, none stepped into that None t- of them did. Even mantle. Greenwell yeah. didn't turn out to be as good as anybody thought he was going to be. No, okay. and, it's, and it's a shame. You know what I think also hurt them too is I think the pitching pipeline, if you remember in the Boston area, like after – 
I couldn't even so, tell you who their pitching was at that. Well, time. that's the thing. It was Clemens, and then you got the older version of Bruce Hurst in the late '80s, and then after that, like the pitching pipeline really didn't materialize very well, and that's why you have them making moves like trading Jeff Bagwell, who was also around that time, for Larry Anderson. Like those are the kind of moves they had to make because the pitching pipeline, unfortunately, in Boston just did not really, yeah. uh, it didn't develop the way they thought. And all these like really good young position players, they all got moved on at one point, you know, and, and they just, it never quite happened for them. And you had gone from, you know, Yastrzemski and you kind of, you know, passed it on. You had Ted Williams into Yastrzemski and who's going to be the next guy. The next guy you had Jim Rice. And that just kind of, I don't know. It just didn't really materialize, unfortunately, for that group of Red Sox back then. No, it didn't. All right, we'll move on. The Memorial, of course, going on in golf this weekend. Tiger Woods uh, wins the British Open on this day. Back in 2005, it was his 10th major title. People thought he'd win 30, and, of course, things went south after that. But we'll see if he can still win a few majors before it's all said and done. And then in 2019, this was one year ago today, Lamar Jackson goes in front of Cal Ripken's statue at Camden Yards and sends a tweet and says, thank you, Cal, for letting me wear your number, number eight. Didn't know that this even happened last year, but it did, apparently. And uh, Lamar Jackson goes on to win the uh, NFL MVP in 2019. So Super cool. This was another one where I was like, I don't remember this. I don't remember it either, but I saw it and I'm like, wow, I guess this happened last year. This would have gotten so much more attention now. (laughs) Anything would get attention now. You fast forward one year. We had Tiger King for two two months. uh, Yeah, yeah. I I missed out on the entire Tiger King conversation with you when that was red hot. That was when Erie was still here uh, on the program. But yeah, this is cool. Like if this moment happened right now, in July of 2020, yeah. it would be this cool thing and talk about, you know, the heroes of Baltimore sports and blah, blah, blah. This was like, really? I don't even remember this happening. And you know what? Cool for them uh, to have that moment and cool for Lamar to recognize things. Uh, a good friend of mine from grade school back in Brooklyn from PS236. Shout out to PS236 in Brooklyn where we, uh, again, every school has a I number. PS251. Did you really? Look at us. Look at us. Look at us. Well, my good friend David... Uh, who is actually uh, became a football coach down uh, down south there, actually got to coach Lamar Jackson and Ridley and a couple other guys mm-hmm. that came through. He coaches at one of the bigger prep schools there. And I remember a couple years ago when this kid was being drafted, I asked him, I was like, so tell me about this guy, Lamar. He said, I know it's going to sound crazy. I said, when you listen to him, he sounds really country. He said, but the kid is much smarter than people realize. He said, don't listen to how the words sound coming out of his mouth sometimes because this kid is really bright. This kid is really talented. And nobody outworks him. And I took all of that into into account when I was looking, trying to make evaluations of him in the black book and stuff like that, because I trust David. And uh, it's just it's wonderful to see Lamar Jackson do as well as he has, because this was a guy that almost fell out of the first round completely. And you think about all the other quarterbacks so far that picked ahead of him. Josh Rosen, where's his career? Baker Mayfield is tenuous right now. Sam Darnold hasn't really picked up. And then there's Lamar Jackson, that bright, shining beacon of Two what potential. Two years in a row. Been absolutely brilliant. Before. Yep. All right. This day in fantasy sports birthdays for July the 17th, 1941. Daryl LaMonica, the Mad Bomber from the Oakland Raiders, who was the passing champion for Oakland as well in one year in the NFL. Uh, 1960, the great kicker for the Buffalo Bills. Unfortunately, is remembered for one bad kick, but certainly was a great kicker for them. Scott Norwood, 1963, former Chicago White Sox closer and former single season Mm all-time saves leader Bobby Thigpen, who had his saves... A record broken by Francisco Rodriguez. 1972, really good college and NBA player, Eric Williams, who people may remember with the Boston Celtics, but hasn't been talked about quite a bit through the years. Uh, 1973, Eric Moulds, three-time 1,000-yard receiver, three-time Pro Bowler, a name I have not said in years, but man, this guy was a really good receiver. Yes, he was. And then 1983, another really good hitter, that just sort of disappeared a couple of years ago. And Adam Lind, who could play first base, he was a designated hitter. People remember him mostly, I would guess, with the Toronto Blue Jays and had a couple of 25, 30 home run seasons as well. But that's what I feel like, like names from the past. Yeah, it's a good one. And two from Buffalo. Eric Moles was a terrific wide receiver. Uh, He had a couple of great seasons, as you were just discussing there, and uh, probably undervalued, underrated. Lee Evans was another guy. During that time with Eric Moulds, like there were some good players on Buffalo. You know, I know not every one of those teams won a lot of games. Some were actually better than people remember if you go back and look. But Scott Norwood is always that one, too, where, you know, unfortunately for Scott Norwood, you remember that moment. But what was so incredible is that uh, that two hour documentary they did about the Buffalo Bills and that four year run. Uh, the the personal sit down there with Scott Norwood talking about it all and then talking about how difficult it was. And then subsequently in later years, 
uh, how, you know, he came to be embraced so much and, and you know, became like a, a really beloved by the city despite that one terrible moment. And it, it's very difficult to not think about what if, because if they had gotten off to the right foot and won that game, because really Bill Parcells basically and Bill Belichick came out with a fantastic game plan, which really limited in the first half, very similar to what the Patriots did in the AFC Championship game two years ago against the Chiefs. They limited that incredible Bills offense in that first half, and then the Bills were basically playing catch-up. And then they caught up, and they had that moment, and it slipped through their fingers. And one can only imagine, you know, the hypothetical, maybe if they do make that kick, they win, and then they think too much of themselves, and they don't have the grit to make it back three successful years in a row. Yeah. I mean, it's it's so many what-ifs. I'm sure they would trade the the three more appearances for the one win, but you just never know how things would go with a franchise and a team because this was a team that had a lot of confidence and it was kind of shattered after that, uh, for sure, in that big moment. It was. Uh, but, again, great run for the Buffalo Bills, for sure. Got a three Hall of Famers out of that thing with Jim Kelly, Thurman Thomas, and Andre Reid. And, and, uh, and James Bruce Lofton, Smith. too. Bruce, well, no, Lofton was, was Lofton really part of those teams? Lofton was on the first one. Was he? Okay. Yes, he was. All right. Uh, we won't Google that. What we'll do is we'll take a quick timeout. <laughs> uh, well, go ahead. Go ahead. Here on, on Fantasy Sports today. Coming up next, the latest in Major League Baseball and in fantasy. What will the Pirates do if they don't have Gregory Polanco? Who in the world will pitch for the Kansas City Royals this season? Boy, that, that's something that I really had to dive into. And you'd be shocked at seeing some of the starters for opening day next week. Maybe it wouldn't be based on what's going on. It's a wacky world we're living in, and this is Fantasy Sports Today right here on SportsGrid, and we're right back after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Get on the grid. And welcome back. Craig and Joe back here with you. Just for clarification, our stats director did tell us that James Lofton was on the Buffalo Bills uh, in those Super Bowl years. Uh, he was on for two or three of the Super four, Bowls. Four years, but two Super Bowls, I two believe. Two Super Bowls for yeah. James Lofton, the future Hall of Famer. Uh, Joe, uh, that's one in Joe's win column. One, that's it. I need gotta, one. Got to make sure that we give Joe Craig, the Craig, it's so lopsided. I mean, the, the loss column here for me is clear. I mean, well, I just need one every now and then. Usually, usually the way that it works is that if Joe is 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 not right about something, or I think he's not right, you'll see me sort of lean into the screen. And what I'm doing there is I'm leaning over to my laptop to to fact check. If you don't see me lean, there's a 50-50 shot that Joe's got it right. And that one I didn't lean because I thought, you know, I don't really know this for sure. So um, so there was no leaning. Joe is correct. James Lofton, the future Hall of Famer. Hey, I got to keep my job, man. I got to get one in 10. That's the ratio You're they very told me. worried about your James Lofton acumen. No, yeah. I'm just I'm just saying. I it's just I remember You're that You're one. Good. I got You're that. You're good. You're not Ooh. going anywhere for at least a week. I've, I've bought All myself right. one more week. All right. one, one more week of live. Uh, radio and television. Okay, so look, there, there's so much happening in baseball. It's constantly flowing. And on Monday, when we're back here on the show, we'll be live every day from 12 p.m. to 2. And so when anything happens during the day, we'll have it for you. And I think that's really important when the games are live coming up on Thursday of next week as well. So for now, just bear with us with this information that is always very fast. And in the next seven days, there are going to be more transactions and more movement in baseball than you've ever seen from a spring training before. Because remember, folks, they uh, have 30-man rosters now in baseball. And this could come down literally right to the last day, placing guys on the injured list, not placing guys on the injured list. As an example, as we talked about earlier in the show, in case you missed it, Freddie Freeman thinks he can play opening day. So, I mean, these are, I mean there, there are things changing constantly, and so we have to adjust to it. The one thing that we're trying to do is be responsible if a guy is out for undisclosed reasons, which we assume is COVID-related. If he is back on the very next show, we try to give you that information, too, so we're not just covering it from the negative side. That being said, let's talk about <laughs> the Pittsburgh Pirates in 2020, a team that we could do without, unfortunately. But Ooh, they got to play a season out here in 60 ouch. games. Burn. And uh, Gregory Polanco is the latest to not be around. 
and I and I don't have a good backup for him here, as you can see. I got Guillermo Heredia. I got no answers. Uh, Polanco hit six home runs and 153 at bats last year. He actually looked pretty good when he came back from injury. He missed almost a year. Heredia last year, he's sort of a journeyman. He played with Tampa Bay. He hit five home runs. The Pirates basically will just insert him for the time being. Jason Martin is on the minor league roster. He could come over to the major league roster. JT Riddle, who was on Miami last year, yeah. play a little outfield. He plays the infield, too. But the big stat that you see is that Polanco has missed 180 games plus the last three seasons. And so I don't know that you could blame this one necessarily on him, but he is not a model of health in baseball over the last few years. Joe, the Pirates are praying that Polanco plays great so they can move this guy in 30 days. I, I mean, they signed him to that contract, and they're getting nothing from it. Nope. And I thought he had all the potential in the world. He has shown very little mm-hmm. and has not lived up nearly even close to what we thought he'd be, both in fantasy and reality. I mean, this guy was like a borderline second-round pick in fantasy a few years oh, ago. Oh, he was a dynasty darling not that long ago. He was a can't-miss. You know, the one thing about Polanco that always concerned me, and this goes back years of doing the write-offs, uh, you know, for Black Book, where the one thing I always concerned me was the the length of the swing. I always thought he had a really long swing. Now, some guys get away with that, like Daryl Strawberry had a long swing. But he also had the quickest wrist you'll ever see. So he was able to always turn on balls. Polanco didn't have that. And he was coming But he's always hurt. Sink. I don't even think that has anything well, to do with it. Well, but, I mean, even when he's there, he is underwhelming at times. And he was coming up the same time as uh, a once upon a time uh, Cardinals big-time prospect, Oscar Tavares. Remember Oscar Tavares before, unfortunately, sure. his untimely death? Now, I remember those two guys were kind of neck and neck at the time in a lot of prospect books. And I thought Tavares was far and away like i didn't see the the, the connection there where people were like oh polanco's better at Like, what are you watching man like i i didn't personally ever see that and polanco's gotten to a point now where you're right the contract is burdensome and now he's in a bad situation here obviously for the pirates i think jt riddle is actually a, a good name there uh that's a <laughs> I, don't, uh, I don't think so but no i mean in terms of like can he just hold down the fort for a week or so i think he can i mean the only problem with heredia is when you're looking at him you'll get the i don't think heredia is very good either but this is all i could come up with he is, but I mean, I think Riddle's a guy that has at least been in the major leagues, you know, on that peripheral last couple of years. Can you get a, a Riddle, decent week? Riddle never sees a pitch he doesn't like. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I like Jason Martin more than these other guys, but he's not on the 30-man right Well, now. that's the problem is do you really want to do that? Do you really want to start that I mean, guy up? he played up? a little last year. Uh, I don't know. Did he play enough, though, to start the clock? Was he up just uh, in September? I, I don't know. I See I that I don't recall. I don't. I don't remember. I think it was just. He was September. up last year. I know that he was, but I don't still know where you're at. Like if that's the case, then just let the kid play. Otherwise, you'll get a radio. This was I mean, a guy. Got, I mean, he was a, a big piece of the Garrett Cole trade. They probably should try and get something back from him. <laughs> something? Can you get something back from one of the trades that the Pirates have made? I don't know if there's been a stretch of more blown trades for an organization where you would think just by accident. No, you're right. And, and you know, the Marlins get a lot of grief. And meanwhile, look at the Pirates, man. Like, they're trading well, away MVPs and All-Stars, and it's like, ah, oh, it's okay. Dude, uh, it, they better get something for Josh Bell. That's all I know. Whenever they move him, you better <laughs> and, get something. And let me tell you something. They're moving him, too. There's no doubt about it. Well, that. I keep saying it's I, – I said this, actually. I think it was on Diamond Bets I said this. I think that Texas is a great spot for Josh Bell. I could see Texas going all in there. They could use somebody at first base – uh, I think it just fits. I think they have enough in the prospect window to get him for sure. If they want to hold back a Josh Young or somebody like that, who's that elite level or Cole Wynn. You know who's going to get, get Josh enough. Bell in the end. You know who's going to get Who? The Yankees. Why? Another, oh, gosh. The Yankees are definitely getting Josh Bell. Well, if so, that's, that's going to make everybody go like this. They call, hey, listen, we got a nice little deal for you. Well, me. they're not going to move Jason Dominguez or him. No, but, you know, you could just see it happening. The Pirates, you know, they're just like, yeah, sure, whatever. Give us, you know, Davey, go- the pitcher, whatever his name, Davey Garcia. Del- you know, they get him, they get a couple other guys, and then Josh Bell's hitting, raking, hitting 50 home runs. You, you know what's happening. You know yeah, that this is like- happening. Garcia it, it, would be a nice piece. I know Kings there. They got a couple other young arms. Miguel and Duhar goes to Pittsburgh, right? You, I mean, you, well, you, I'll tell you, you what. Feel, if, I, I'm making the trade already for you. You're you, ma- you, you are. You are. You're ruining everybody's season before he even gets off. You know but. that this is going down. I, I, I got, well, I got and Duhar. I got Davey Garcia and maybe one other guy. And then and the, that probably and gets then the Yankees give Bell a hundred million, right? Oh, I don't think they should, but I mean, yeah, why not? I guess. Either like, way, that short portion, right? That's the guy to get. Okay, we're off. We're off the grid here. Well, anyway, back to wait. Back to so Rady. We never got to make a point about Rady. Well, let's just say if you go we back, got and nothing look, for Polanco. Track record. No one. There's no one there. Two ninety in the minor leagues with a three eighty OBP, but not a lot of power. So if this Polanco is Polanco doesn't best. play. The Pirates 
have no replacement. Their war is a zero. Jose Ozuna is going to be great, but he's a DH, and that's the problem. He's not going to play the outfit. All right, the Kansas City Royals, as, as if you wanted any other reason to, to pray for a starting pitching staff to succeed because they have no pitching, it is this team. Uh, Brad Keller last year was their best pitcher and was going to be their opening day starter again, but he was placed on the IL, so that pretty much puts him out for opening day. Uh, they're going to move everybody up in the rotation. We'll talk about who's going to start for the Royals opening day in just a second. Mike Montgomery, who we thought was pretty much a lock for their rotation, definitely is now. 4.64 earn run average and 13 starts for the Royals last season. And he's left-handed, so he slides right in there. But I got to tell you, Joe, like Keller wasn't great, but he was steady. And he gets outs, and he's a sinker ball guy. He gets ground mm -hmm. ball. They're in big trouble. If <laughs> big, well, big, the, big trouble. The tough part say. with the Royals is I also wonder from a pitching coach standpoint, you know, you see some starts from him. You see some starts from Junis. You see some starts from Duffy. And all of them at one point in time where you see moments where you go, yeah, I, I understand what the organization sees in them, but the lack of consistency has got to be maddening. You know, the, their inability to get outs in big spots, their inability to, you know, to get into the sixth or seventh inning, it's a really difficult situation. And I know the pipeline's getting better after this year's draft, but it's not oh, going to get better they for drafted, two years. Listen, a couple they of them got really Brady Singer from Florida. They, they're going to be okay in a year or two, but right. this 60-game stretch no, it's gonna be without brutal, Keller is, I mean – staggeringly bad like it's it's, it's not good it's gonna be so ugly and 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 they're lucky they they get a division that's not you know insurmountable they'll get detroit sometimes um you know but the, those kansas city pitchers are having to go to the national league central this year and the last kansas city pitcher i can remember besides Jordano ventura that was worth anything that you could really well guy from their system was right. odorizzi Odorizzi was yeah, okay. Was good for them, yeah. And then they, got, they had you know, Cueto there, and they had uh, Shields in in the playoffs. But no, they really. Well, Cueto they really wasn't there. I mean, look, Junis could very well be their best guy, and he could be good. He could be good, and let's just say he's great. They right. still don't have anything after that. No, so. you're, you're you're not wrong, man. And this is it's, it's you and know, this is why I mean, when Keller's anybody not a great pitcher, but he's a stabilizer. He's going to throw sure. a lot of innings for you, and now they don't have that. And take a look at this. <laughs> These are the opening day starters, as I put, no really, for Major League Baseball here in 2020. And here is the Royal starter, as you see there. It's Danny Duffy. Who would have thought three years ago Danny Duffy would be starting opening day after all this guy has been through? Uh, who would have thought the Red Sox opening day starter would be Nathan Yavaldi? Wasn't he supposed to be the closer last year? Oh, my God. Uh, Andrew Heaney. I'm not saying that Andrew Heaney shouldn't be an opening day starter, but you're telling me the Angels did all of this this tinkering and trading and Rendon and Otani and, and, Otani and Heaney is your guy opening day? Okay. And then the Tigers, they're hoping to have Matt Boyd start for them on opening day on Friday, although it's still not 100% certain he's had to stay away from the team because I guess he had contact with somebody or, you know, one of these one of these COVID stories. And if he can't go, it's either Zimmerman or Turnbull on opening day. Oh, it's your boy. It's your boy, Spencer Turnbull. See, it was all coming full circle for you. Uh, look, I'm not surprised by Heaney being the open day starter, but this is the problem. I feel like the Angels have basically built a Stars and Scrubs lineup. Like, this is what they do, right? They, they, if if the Angels were an auction drafter in fantasy, they were the team that would spend $40 on, uh, $50 on Mike Trout and $40 on Rendon, and I'm going to spend $30 on Otani. And then by the end, it's like, well, what dollar pitchers are around? I'm going to find some dollar pitchers and try to make it work. And that's difficult, man. I don't think you can win this way. And this is why the A's are always a better bet than them every year. Uh, Aovaldi, yeah. I mean, you want to jump back over to the uh, the the over on seven and a half games with the Eduardo Rodriguez? Now that we're talking about Aovaldi being no, the opening day. I don't think it has anything to do with it. Come on. Come on. Oh, you don't think it's a pressure for Rodriguez to come back sooner than later? The Red Sox are just not going to be very good. Come on. Come with me. Eight starts. Seven and a half, that's an easy number. I, I can't bet any of this stuff. I don't know how healthy the guys are. This is this is an impossible betting season. That's the I mean, Freddie Freeman, we thought may miss 60 games, and now he's saying he could play opening day. Like just just right. keep me away from any betting. But, uh, well, until, wait a minute. Until but, the, game by game, it may be an interesting conversation. Okay. Teams are playing each other and we see lineups. But until then, oh, it is guessing. So far, of all the positive tests, even the people like Freddie Freeman who said, My goodness, I'm so sick. Now Freddie Freeman's come out and said he's trying to be there opening day. Doesn't this give you any encouragement on Eduardo Rodriguez at all? Why are you such a negative Nelly? I'm not on every player, but I'm on a pitcher. On a Why? pitcher, I am. But I, he's I don't, so I, necessary for them. A lot year. harder for a pitcher. He hasn't I agree. thrown a pitch in their camp. I can't uh, do it. I agree. I, I, listen, it's if harder. he's on the same plan as Tyler Glass now, then maybe that's one thing. But I don't know that he is. Uh, we got a break. We'll be back and talk more about the 60-game baseball season. 
sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome back. It's always an interesting exercise to take a look at the 2019 Major League Baseball season over a period of time and see how it would translate to a 60-game season here in 2020. Welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today. Craig and Joe back here with you. And from April through June last year, some of the home run leaders ended up showing their wear at the end of the season, didn't find themselves into uh, the picture but, you know, certainly, Joe, it does go to show you that some guys get hot at the beginning of the season. Some guys get hot at the end of the season. And there's really no telling what can happen this time of the year because April is July and July is April. And who even knows what September is? <laughs> left is right. Right is left. Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. It's going to be great fun. But uh, Craig was making a point the other day on the program, and I thought it was a good one, that as we're looking at some of these MLB futures that are available on FanDuel, that you're going to get the chalk names that are going to be competitive, but you're also going to get some names and some of these that kind of come out of nowhere. And I thought this was fun to sort of highlight that and maybe talk about some guys in this 60-game stretch who might be set up better than we realize. I mean, we had some new additions to some teams recently, too, and maybe it's worth discussing some names that maybe might come out of the blue and compete. Also, what's fun to understand, too, is Sarah Lang wrote a great piece on MLB.com last year, basically saying, where are we after June 1st and, and what's going on with the landscape of just actual baseball. And the fascinating point was almost 60% of teams, when you go back over uh, the giant sample size she took, which was since 1996, 60% of teams made the playoffs that had a share of basically the division or the wild card at that point in time, 60 games into a season. So for everybody saying, oh, it's a giant asterisk, and are you not going to get anything close? No, you're going to get actually more than half the teams that would have been there are going to be good in the 60-game season and probably be representative anyway. So it's actually a better representation than people realize. Is it perfect? No. But then again, baseball is imperfect in its perfection no matter what. Now, when you look at some of the home run leaders, this is another one that was kind of interesting. Last year, from April 1st to June 1st, uh, you had Pete Alonso leading with 19 home runs. Then you had Josh Bell and Christian Yelich at 18. Certainly, Yelich was a guy people would have put on there, but I don't think a lot of people had Josh Bell in that race, and probably nobody had Pete Alonso leading the league at that time. That was the biggest and, surprise of the year. And then two more names, Gary Sanchez and Eddie Rosario with 17. So just from that grouping, I mean, there's Eddie Rosario, who is a guy that I think gets lost in the shuffle with Minnesota. I would not be shocked to see him make that kind of run again. And Gary Sanchez, for all the Yankees we talk about. Yeah, you know, I didn't even realize he had that many at this point. That was a shocker to me, too. And we always kind of, you know, we talk about Torres and Stanton and Judge. Meanwhile, you know, we don't have to worry about the back end of the Gary Sanchez season, the catcher taking its toll on him because there is no back after the season this year. Right. Yeah, uh, Derek Dietrich, who you don't see there, had 16 home runs at this point last year. And I remember in May, people tweeting saying, oh, the Marlins got rid of Derek Dietrich. They didn't offer him a contract. Wow, they're terrible. And then Dietrich just completely fell apart. In the <laughs> well, there, the, the outlier names there at 16 were Derek Dietrich, Fran Mil Reyes. And then you had the usual suspects again, Cody Bellinger, Alex Bregman, you know, Joey yeah, Gallo, I mean, the guys I mean, But Joe, Dietrich is the outlier of all outliers. He's the outlier of all outliers, but I think Framil Reyes is a bit well, of a no, surprise. Reyes is the 30 home run guy this year, probably, no? Well, I mean, in a full season, sure. Yeah, I mean, oh, I, I think. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay, well, how many, put it this way, how many home runs would you project Derek Dietrich to hit this year? Uh, <laughs> two? <laughs> what? Yeah, three? Maybe two or three? Yeah, maybe something I like that. I don't know if he's making the team. Where uh, is he? I don't know. I know the Pirates could use him. <laughs> yeah, maybe the Pirates should give him a call. I, I, think, I think what's really interesting for me is, if I'm not mistaken, didn't Alvarez not have a single home run to this point? Jordan Alvarez? Like, As, what? He was in the minor leagues at this point. Still. I, mean, I mean, so you talk about hot. Like, that's a good second half hot for there. But, uh, look... He, uh, I don't know if he's even reported to camp yet, so I can't include him in the in the conversation. That's a tough one. I would be, I would be saying him as well, but the uncertainty makes me, you know, a bit gun shy there yeah, on that I, one. I guess if Gallo, if I knew Gallo was going to play all sixty games, that would be a guy I'd like to take a shot with. Yeah, you know, it's I keep going back. But to I don't Eddie know. Never, it seems like something. 
a miss there. The, the fun dark horse candidate for me is Eddie Rosario because there's a perfect example of a guy in a fantastic lineup with a ton of protection that nobody really talks about. But who's to say he can't have another run like this? I mean, well, the funny part was, too, when Rosario missed time last year, you remember he missed a few weeks and the twins kind of stalled out then. And it made everybody sit back and realize because at the time when Rosario got hurt, the narrative was, oh, it's fine. Don't worry. Kepler's been great. Cruz is Cruz. He's been spectacular. Everyone's hitting. It's fine. But the roughest patch of the season for that Minnesota offense with the two plus weeks that Eddie Rosario missed. And I think when you factor that in, you realize, hey, maybe this guy's a lot more important to the middle of this order than people give him credit for. That's another dude that I think has outstanding line of protections, going to see a lot of fastballs, going to see a lot of opportunities, and could be one of these guys that when you're looking at the home run board, you want to have some fun. Maybe Eddie Rosario is a guy to pick out. And you know what? Fran Mill might be one, too. You got two guys on the Braves, you know, looking for big-time contracts here. You got Ozuna and you got Puig. I mean, those guys are looking to bounce back. Ozuna was not a guy that would have come to mind there. But, you know, I don't love Puig's power ceiling, but over a small sample, maybe, just maybe, it's a tougher sell than Ozuna. But is there anybody else in your mind that might be some of these guys that come out of nowhere in the American or National League that might have a shot at this home run title? Yeah, Eloy Jimenez, I think. is That's a good one. Shot, yeah, I think that he gives you the opportunity there. Uh, the guy that I mentioned with the Pirates, I'm telling you, this guy Jose Osuna is going to be good too. I would not rule out. He's this had guy some now. moments in the past, but you're he, right; he it was just always could never play. Couldn't play. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's another guy there with the DH is yeah, short, a short sample. If Justin Smoke was healthy in Milwaukee and got to play every day, I, I think that he's a he could be a surprise. I've seen this guy get super hot and then fall apart, and not we don't hear from the guy again. So just a few names that I think are a chance there. All right, let's, uh, let's also, Joe, look at the uh, batting average leaders from April the 1st through June the 1st. And uh, Austin Meadows, through 36 games, was hitting 370, Bellinger 366, Arenado 352, and Jorge Polanco, another nice underrated player for the, Minis- for the Minnesota Twins, was 338. And batting average isn't something that players are chasing anymore, Joe. So at this point, you, it's, it's hard to rely on this. It's almost just like who gets the hottest over the two-month period. I don't even know that it has to do with batting average, just who's the, who's the hottest player. Yeah, well, look, Polanco was, that, again, that, that outlier that showed up who was right in the thick of this for a batting title, basically, in the first half of the season. And I think it's another guy that uh, Cruz, Kepler, uh, you're going to see Donaldson get a lot of attention. I mean, there's so much attention with those twins, yet the two guys on the leaderboard here <laughs> at this stage yeah. of the season last year were Eddie Rosario, and, uh, of course, Jorge Polanco. So that was very telling and interesting to me. I-, I think that Bregman's another guy, and Altuve would not shock me to bounce back and get into this. I think the Astros are really on a mission this year to kind of stick it, you know, to a lot of people who don't think that they're as good as they are, and they are that good. Uh, Meadows was a shorter sample size. That's the sure. asterisk there for the 36 games because he came up red hot. But there's another guy, too. Austin Meadows could very well get hot. Winning triple crown for all the I, I didn't see Meadows as an average guy at all. That that's that was a well he was up until he hit that really he, in the summer he hit a really bad slump. I want to say it was in July. I could be I could be wrong there if you look. It was not too far after this, and all of a sudden it just fell off the map, and a lot of people panicked. And then he came back and things righted the ship basically in August and September. But you know that's another guy, Austin Meadows, where you talk about it now. Looking at these, you know, averages. 366 for Cody Bellinger, uh, almost 20 home runs for Pete Alonso. He had 19. Do you think somebody can get above 20? And do you think somebody's got a shot? I know it's fun. Maybe it's silly at 400. Does anybody have a shot? I don't know. It seems a little, I mean, 400 seems a little high. I don't know. In this style of baseball, probably. It certainly could happen, but I don't know that I would predict that. If you had money on one guy, like if they said, hey, Craig, Here's here's a hundred bucks for free. Go put it on one guy to hit four hundred for sixty games. Who would your guy be? I mean, oh. Cody Bellinger is a good one because he walks a ton. Like that that's that's part of the part of the success of the batting average is how many walks are you drawing in the lineup? And Bellinger is a guy that walks more than he strikes out, which is an anomaly nowadays. Right. Uh, I maybe maybe J D Martinez. That's a good one. Yeah, maybe that's maybe J D Martinez would be would be. He's my another guess. him and Devers. Devers would not shock me if Devers won a triple crown either. Like I, I in, in again, it's a 60 game season, but triple crowns, triple crown, right? You lead the league right. and everything. That's a guy who hits for a high average. That's a guy with power. That's a guy who's going to drive in runs. Um, I, I think somebody's going to hit 20 home runs. I really do, especially with a healthy Stanton out there too. He's a real threat. Judge is a threat. So if those guys are all right, 
that's certainly a, an opportunity there for some of these dudes. But I know Jorge Polanco, Eddie well, Rosario. Well, on uh, on FanDuel, with a player, they uh, they have. I'm trying to click it here. It's not working. No, it's okay. They uh, they have. Will a player hit 400 or better? So. And it's just like a yes or no. <laughs> I would go with no, just from the style of baseball that's out there. But it would be really fun if somebody could get close. Yes, it's plus 700 on FanDuel there. So. Interesting. Uh, will, I think a player, a... will a player hit 20 or more home runs? Yes, is plus 125. So odds are very heavily against no. Yeah, I think much better chance of somebody hitting 20 home runs <laughs> than hitting 400. I mean, no. that's that's no, pretty I, obvious. I, I think, look, I think anything goes in a season like this. It's just, you know, my, my inclination, and I'm not really getting involved in a lot of this betting, but my inclination is if you bet no and unders more than you bet yeses, you're probably going to come out on top. But the way, and, and FanDuel is smart, the way FanDuel has themselves sort of protected is there's a minimum amount of games that you have to play in order to qualify for this. So that that's part of the equation as well. But if you pick 10 things, 10 players, 10 unders, I would find it hard to believe you wouldn't hit on six of those 10. Or I mean, seven is high, but let's say six or seven of those 10, just because... I mean, one out of every 10 people, it seems like something is happening to. So would you would you recommend the, that approach? Like, would you look at a group of 10 and go I couldn't, that way? I, and couldn't play blank, that? I, I wouldn't just throw a blanket over it and just bet against it. But my my lean on a lot of this stuff for for total amounts on FanDuel would be unders. Yeah. Um, will, will a player hit 20 home runs? No. Mm-hmm. Will a player hit 400? Well, that's that's just average. So most runs scored by any player, 48 and a half. Under most stolen bases, 17 and a half. That's that to me might be the easiest of all. Well, besides the 400 in terms of the under is the stolen bases one, because that one I think is really tricky. Like that's, I mean, maybe yeah. you get a guy like we'll VR on, yeah. on later talking about it. He did the projections out for the season and he had the leader at 19 and he was the only one over 17 and a half when he did his. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that's, and that's one guy and all, all that would need to happen is that one guy either, unfortunately test positive misses a game right takes two days off <laughs> well yeah and and have they announced yet have the uh have the nationals announced yet if trey turner staying in that one spot or is he moving to three no they haven't they haven't said yet see that that's another one too that i think is gonna have a huge ramification let on me that. tell you something you as of yesterday the nationals don't even know where they're going to be playing this season so they gotta they have a lot of work to do before they can i think the season starts in a few days correct they might want to figure that out they don't have a, they don't know if they're going to be able to play in nationals park yet either so they uh they're they're up against it with less than a week to go but go figure that uh we know nascar is uh coming up this weekend for sure and matt sells is going to join us next as we dive into some of the races that are going on in texas on saturday and sunday we've got betting odds we've got dfs odds when we return next right here on sports grid Matt will join us, and we'll go over everything this weekend on the NASCAR circuit. You're watching Fantasy Sports Today, Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. You can follow Joe on Twitter at JoePizzapia17. Follow me on Twitter at Craig Mish. Follow us on SportsGrid at SportsGrid. We're back after this. sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com